Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining us. And tonight's program, I've kind of gone for those sorts of analyses about what companies are actually doing quite well or look like a buying opportunity is developing with these companies as the market sells off generally. Today we're, we're down over 1% and, and clearly there's a lot of negativity all around uh, headlines like recessions in the US, possibly. UK probably definitely and uh, rising interest rates and all that what that means for stock markets and so I've, I've gone looking for companies that may well be doing better than the overall uh, market which is a sign that uh, the smarties like these companies and are more likely to rebound pretty quickly once we get some good news now what would the good news be I think we're going to focus in on October 13. That's when we get the next US CPI number. If that's better than expected, the market will like it. The market will definitely buy stocks if that US CPI is better than expected. But then there won't be, a, I don't think, a massive uh, rebound. They'll wait to see the next um, uh, figure, which will come out in November. And if there's a trend that these very high interest rate rises in the US coming from the Fed are starting to work, then the market will get really positive. It may well take to December for that sort of thing to come through. But I think that's going to be the important turnaround for the headwinds and to make those headwinds like tailwinds. We need to believe that the central bank's interest rate policies are working and then you've got to hope that they don't create a recession. At the moment, the market's caught between the fear of rising interest rates and what that does to sales and profitabilities for companies. But then on the other hand, is it possible that these interest rate rises will create a recession? And that's why the market's really negative at the moment. We need something to, to give us a turnaround factor, and that turnaround factor would be a good inflation number you know, on October 13. If not, we might have to wait till November. Okay, so without any further ado, let's catch up with Mike Gable of Fairmont Equities and we'll look through a number of companies, some that aren't doing all that well, but some are surprising and uh, defying the negativity on the market generally. And then we talk to Marcus Bogdan of Blackmore Capital, who also runs the Switzer Dividend Growth Fund. He's a specialist in trying to pick companies that pay really good dividends. Be interesting to see if he's buying right now or if he's not, what companies are on the list on his shopping list when he thinks the worst is over and it's time to jump in. So without any further ado, let's go to Mike Gable of Fenmont Equities. Well, I'm with Mike Gable of Fenmont Equities, at a time when the stock market is under pressure. Let's just see if there's any good news in the technical analysis of various companies or even the indexes. Mike, good, good to see you. Thanks, Peter. Um, is, is it possible when the market is selling off that a trend for an individual company um, can defy the market, even though the, the share price might come down to a degree, the actual trend is still saying this is a, a screaming buy? Um, companies can definitely outperform the index. Um, unfortunately, in most cases, they won't you know, provide spectacular returns. I mean, there are there is the odd exception we've seen with coal, coal stocks this year yeah. have have done extremely well, and, and the lithium stocks to some extent. Um, but even those that don't 
shoot the lights out. If, if a stock is outperforming the broader index in a time like this, it's always worth taking note because that's a good sign of strength. Clearly there's buying in that particular stock. Yeah. And I think all you need to then do is just be patient for the market to recover. Eventually the market will recover. Yeah. And they're the stocks um, that tend to perform the best. So if they've got the buying support now, they'll have the buying support when the market recovers. I think the mistake a lot of investors make is they might try to buy something that's falling a lot more rapidly than, than the market is, mm. thinking they're getting a bargain. But if a stock's holding up well now, um, all you have to do is be patient and once the market returns. Yeah. I guess you've got to be careful about some stocks that are doing well for unique circumstances. Like, for example, if coal is doing well primarily because of the mm. Ukraine war, when the Ukraine war is over, it, it might lose a bit of its um, appeal. Yeah, the, that, that's right. If a company's doing very well because of a particular set of circumstances, um, those circumstances may change and then mm. it will fall out of favour. So um, I guess that's the other mistake in, investors make is they, they, get, they, they look at what's happening now with a particular company and they extrapolate mm. that out into the future and they start counting the dollar signs a little bit too early. Yeah. But they have to realise it won't last forever. Mm. Uh, you know, you stick with the trend, but at some point when there's some sort of rotation out of that into uh, a different sector, which is which is running for its own reasons, you need to make that switch. You can't ride it all the way up and ride it all the way back down. No, and I guess people have learned that with tech, that um, all tech seem to do well for a long time, mm. but now the, the, the tech stocks that are probably going to do well in the future are the ones that really are quality tech businesses. Yeah, exactly. And as we're speaking, you've got businesses <coughs> like Zero, which we have a chart on, mm. Today it, it's up, uh, I think about two or three percent. When the broader market's down over one oh, percent, okay. so so those and that would be people saying this is a good company. Yeah. It's suffered because the market's down, but still, this is a buying opportunity. Yeah, they, they have revenues. There's there's a quality aspect to it. Mm. I mean, whether now's the time to buy it or not remains to be seen. Yeah. But but there but you start <clears> to see a bit of divergence between the companies that were just pie in the sky, great ideas, and and those that actually. Yeah. Have, a, have a business generating some cash. Okay, so let's go to some indices first and then we'll look at some individual companies. So let's kick off with the ASX 200. Mm. What, what are we seeing there? Um, so I'll stand up and I'll, yeah. I'll talk about the charts. So we've got the ASX, the S&P ASX 200 going back about 18 months. Um, this blue line is the 200-day moving average that we've spoken about in our last couple of, couple of videos. Um, and as, as we sort of mentioned at the time, it was always going to provide some sort of resistance. Um, now, my expectation when we last spoke uh, about a month ago was that the market would, you know, it'd struggle to go higher, but I was expecting a lot of sideways action mm. until we have some sort of clear indication as to what interest rates will do. So obviously that's linked to what CPI is doing. Um, and I think once we get to the point where central banks can say, you know, we're stopping interest rate rises or, or basically give us some certainty as to what is actually going to happen around these rises, yeah. then the market can recover. Until then, I think there's a lot of sideways action. I mean, the last few days, you know, didn't expect that the market would go from this line all the way back to the June lows so yeah. quickly, but, but, but there you have it. You know, the market's quite difficult, I think. I think investors, as I've been saying to some of my clients, we just need to temper our expectations a bit. We can't expect a lot. I think at the moment until we see that yeah. that eventual pivot. So 
you know, the, the <coughs> chart, S&P, um, ASX 200, hit the 200-day moving average, bounced off that. But of course, what's very interesting, what a lot of people are noticing, is we're back to the June lows. So mm -hmm. that'll naturally provide, I think, some, some sort of bounce. Yeah. So there's no certainties, <coughs> but, I, but I think there's more chance we get a bit of a bounce here than we continue to fall. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, dumping, there's a lot of fear out there, there's a lot of dumping of stocks, um, a lot of negativity, uh, you know, you read the newspapers this morning, it all feels quite horrible, usually that, that always tends to happen around a low, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, but we might see a low like this, so if we look back to, uh, this was May, May of this year, the market dumped into this old low, the December low, mm. um, and then it, it gave us a bit of a bounce. Of course, after that, it, it did collapse. So, I mean, it remains to be seen if we get something like this, which is a bit of a bounce and then a further move, yeah. or maybe we get a bit of a bounce and then we just continue to head sideways for a while. Yeah. Um, it remains to be seen. Yeah, I think we just need some good um, US CPI news, either in October or November. And mm. until that happens, I think the market's going to feel really negative. We have to be patient. Yeah. Let's go to the S&P 500, which often looks very similar. Yeah, so yeah, it's a similar story. I mean, our market, of course, has done better than the S&P. This is tech heavy, we're heavy in resources. Mm. But again, that perfect, um, that perfect reversal at the 200-day moving average, uh, and now it's dumping into, into the June low. So, as I said, it could, it could continue a few, for a few days down even, even more, but I think the most likely scenario is we get some sort of bounce and then we need to assess whether that's going to get sold into or if it's just going to bang around a bit more mm. around these levels. So we have something to look forward to, don't we, Mark? Yeah, more uncertainty. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to an interesting company in Wes Farmers. Clearly was um, you know, doing very well, what, September, August of last year. Uh, it's been in a bit of a downtrend, a bounce mm. off in June. But what's happening? It's starting to look better. So what we have is, I guess, a typical downtrend defined by the lower highs and the lower lows. Now, the first thing you need to see for the downtrend to break is for higher highs and higher lows. So this was the prior high, which is mm. the horizontal line. And we can see that most recently over the last several weeks, West Farmers did crack that. So I've circled that there. It did manage to make a higher high. It has come back. But I think as long as it can hold on to the June low, and so mm. far today it is up for the day, mm. um, it's, it's doing very well compared to the broader market. If it can make a higher, um, a higher low, mm. then that's the start of <coughs> you know, possibly a, just a bit of a base pattern before it's ready to recover. So mm. you know, too early to buy here, but I think that's, that's an encouraging sign that the downtrend is possibly broken. If it goes under the June low, then... We yeah. have to get negative on the chart again. And, and that sell-off, that last bit of the sell-off, is the sort of um, momentum an individual company finds hard to ignore when there's a big market sell-off. And mm. obviously the magnitude of the sell-off for West Farmers is a lot less than the magnitude even for the overall market. Yeah, that's right. It's, um, and that's why we, we might be potentially seeing a, a short-term low in the market today. Mm. I know it looks ugly out there, but... Yeah, generally at the end of these downwards, downward movements is, is where you have people selling their, their stocks that they love. Yeah. Um, they've held on that whole time and they've just, they've just given up. They've 
they're reading headlines about this is 2008 all over again, this is the 87 crash all over mm -hmm. again. Um, and they, you know, they're holding in there with their beloved West Farmers and they just eventually sell out, they give up. Um, and as I said, because it's actually up today, that's mm. a telling sign that the smarties are buying. It's from starting them. to come in. Yeah. So we might have seen a bit of giving up on those farmers, a bit of capitulation, mm. and potential signs that even the broader market itself might be finding a bit of a, a short term, at least a short term low at, at these levels. Okay, let's go to zero now. We, we talked earlier about a quality tech company. It looks like it's made a, a higher, uh, a higher high. Yeah, exactly. So fairly similar to West Farmers, mm. where we've, um, from the June low, it's managed to, to breach the prior high. So we've had the lower highs. It's made a higher high. It's come back. Hopefully, for, for holders of zero, it holds on to the June low and gives us a higher low. So far, that seems to be mm. the case because it's reversed today and is up 2 or 3% despite the broader market. Um, so again, early signs. I don't think it's going to rally anywhere in a hurry. Um, but, you know, we could, we could look at this one again in another month or two, and if it's doing something like this, that will give me even more confidence that the downtrend's broken and it's formed some sort of base. So just early stages that maybe we're getting a break of that downtrend. Okay. Now, Blue Scope. Now, this one, it's, it's a little bit more of a messier chart. It is holding on to the prior low, which was in July, but only by a few cents mm. as, as we speak. Um, the negative with this is that we know the market bottomed in June and where the market was going up here, this one actually made a low in July. So it has been underperforming um, the, the index for, I mean, for that period of time. Um, I'm just not so convinced yet that this downtrend is over. What's, what's important to look at when you're looking at, at a ways the way um, a stock trades is, is, is how it moves on the way up and how it moves on the way down. So if a stock is bullish, on the way up, it's easy to go up, and mm -hmm. on the way down, it's harder for it to go lower because it's it. buying support, mm -hmm. and the opposite's true yep. on the way down. So we could see that um, in the case of the opposite being true in the case of Blue Scope. So, I mean, even most recently, we could see, for example, when it got sold off here, it it went from this point to this point very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and then to try to get back to that point, it needed two or three times the amount of time to get there. Mm. And again, just the sell-offs, very sharp. And then this was the best it could do for mm. a rally. Just, mm. it was very feeble, only for it to be sold <coughs> off again. So it's displaying signs of a stock that just, at, at this point in time, still doesn't have much buying support. Yeah. Uh, and the odds are that it'll probably head lower before it finds yeah. support. And news around the construction sector, housing sector under pressure, um, mm. building less houses and apartments a year, all that sort of stuff, wouldn't be good for a company like Bluescode. Yeah, it's starting to get factored into the price and it might, again, we might just end up with one of those situations where it, uh, it gets oversold and, mm. and, and the market factors in a little bit too much negativity. Yeah. and. And, you know, that maybe that's $13, $12, mm. who knows. But um, I think the, the chance for a bargain isn't yet. I think it's yeah. still further down the track. Certainly a lot of the analysts like, like Bluescope. I think the last time I looked, I think out of six, all six liked it. But mm. that, they've got time on their side. They don't have to yeah. be right tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Let's go to some two tech stocks um, that, you know, um, a lot of people like. Um, first one has, I guess, been underperforming, namely MP1. What are you seeing with MP1? 
I'm a bit, ultimately I'm a bit neutral on this. I, I'm, I can't really tell which, mm. uh, which, which way this one That's wants, wants to head to look at, it. at the moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, this, this move here off the low was quite, quite bullish. And then when we looked at it in the first week of August, I was a little bit worried that, you know, on a positive note, it got through $8, which was a major resistance level. Mm. I just didn't like the fact it was loitering around $8. Mm. Um, it, it really needed to, to get going. And we could see it broke $8. But then it got back above it. Now it's below it again. So it's it's a bit choppy, I think. Um, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't pick this one. It's mm. not really but showing me obvious yeah. signs of, of bullishness yeah. or bearishness. One thing I would know is just comparing all the other charts you're showing us. One thing it's not showing at the moment is a big sell-off. It's not it's not sort of steeply falling at the rate at which the overall mm. index is, is falling. So there's like there are buyers there. But yeah. they're, they're not enthusiastic over much over eight dollars. Yeah, that's that's true. Most recently, <coughs> where um, where we've seen with West Farmers and so on, investors just seem to be finally giving up. Mm. Um, that doesn't seem to be happening with MP1. They probably obviously gave up earlier on, yeah. um, but now maybe there's a bit more nibbling, a bit more uh, yeah. yeah, more investors trying to get back into it at these levels possibly. Um, so yeah, that is a positive sign. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of a negative, I'd prefer it was was above eight dollars. So maybe we'll see what happens in the next few days. And, and I guess a company like this that benefits when there's strong economic growth and there's a big demand for extra capacity on websites and things like that. And, uh, for those people who don't understand Megaport, the best example I've got when I've talked to you know the um, the, the CEO was when Melbourne Cup time comes around, the VRC that runs the Melbourne Cup mm. doesn't need a big website on a weekly basis. But in Melbourne Cup time, it needs extra capacity. Yeah. So it goes to a company like Megaport, which sells extra capacity. So mm. if there's talk about recessions and, what, and what like, things like that, a company like this would, in a sense, be affected by that. Yeah, that's, that's right. And I think, you know, at least here in Australia, um, obviously demand and spending is still quite high, especially when it comes to not necessarily goods, but but services, mm. and um, I think maybe the market's still grappling as to whether it's great now, but we're going to be feeling the pain later, or we're going to, you know, dodge it a bit yeah. um, and have a softer landing. Um, as we could see with the, the broader market, it's yeah. uh, it's very hard to know um, yeah, what the what the next twelve months hold. So yeah. I guess that's reflected in the share price here, and as that becomes <coughs> clearer, um, mm. you know, the, the, yeah. Hopefully that, that results in a, an improvement in your share price for you. Let's get AD8, which seems to have been doing very well until recently uh, against the market trend. Mm. But it looks like it, it is succumbing to the market pressure at the moment. Yeah, this, this one's under pressure. Um, we, you asked me to look at this one in the first week of August, and I, I really mm. like the, the way this was trading, mm. but the way it was moving up vertically, um, we have to recall when we looked at this, I think it was around the 8th of August, this was just before the markets hit that 200-day moving average. Mm. So, um, And probably before we got the, the latest US inflation numbers. Yeah, it? definitely. So yeah. back then, we had, we had to remember that you know, most things had rallied very nicely off the lows. We were approaching some major resistance levels. And I think, as I was trying to explain to your viewers at the time, uh, you know, as we all know, the hardest thing is when to know uh, when to sell something and um, 
My advice at the time was, look, it's you know we've had a big run. It's it's a bit Steep of a steep run. It's a bit of a you know, dicey <clears throat> market. Um, and what I noticed with AD8 was that this blue line here, which is the 10-day moving average, it seemed to be respecting that pretty well. So if you wanted to start tightening up your stops in a in a dicey market, mm. um, I thought the the 10-day moving average was a good line to use as your possible sell trigger. So as we could see, it um, a few days later, it did break under that 10-day moving average, and hopefully some of you has got out just mm. under 950. Um, and what's interesting is, is now that it is into a, a bit of a downtrend again, it, it's still respecting the 10-day moving average, but mm. instead of sitting on top of it, it's now sitting below, oh, and every yeah. time it tries to get back above it, it can't, <clears throat> it can't stay there for more than a day, and it's, it's back under it. So, so this was a good way to... Um, uh, to run a trailing stop. So again, I recommend viewers, if they're looking at a, a stop they're making a good, good profit on, um, if you want to keep things simple, try to find a, a moving average that fits quite nicely with how it's trading and use mm. that as your, your trigger. For setting your stop. Yeah, so look, at the moment it is, it is struggling against the 10 day. It's going all the way back to um, probably where people first bought it. Yeah, especially in the last couple of days, it's really it's really let go. So unfortunately, I think we're going to be seeing it back to these levels. And, and hopefully, if you're out of it, um, you might get another bite of the cherry. There might be another, another setup in a few mm. weeks or so for you. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Now, here's Tyro. Uh, we often look at Tyro um, mm. as had a, a, a takeover offer, which was rejected. Well, what's the chart saying to you now? It is, um, it is improving. So we've got that downtrend that seems to be leveling off now. Um, there's some major resistance here around $1.50, so it isn't above that yet, but, but what is encouraging is the way that, obviously in the last few days, because of the, the takeover, I mean, it had a pretty good movement up here, mm. even before it was announced, but despite the... Um, that's unusual, Michael, isn't Yeah, <laughs> so despite the, um, the news coming out and, and the rejection, it's, it's still held up pretty well. I mean, if, if time goes by, it could well drift back down here. Um, but you, but you, I think... I was yeah. going to say, do you think if history is any guide, the first offer of a takeover generally is followed either by a second one by the, the first potential buyer mm. or other ones come in as well? Yep, um, there is that. But I think you also <clears> have <throat> to weigh up the probability of... Um, of it falling through. So, mm. what, what was what was the takeover price again, Peter? I, don't I, I, I must. Have, I think it was close to a dollar twenty-seven. Close to a dollar twenty-seven. Yeah. So, it's, it's hovered know, around yeah, there. Yeah. So, you've you've already got. I mean, maybe they make a slightly better offer, but mm. if it all falls through, it's it's all the way back to a dollar. So, if you mm. if you're thinking about that risk reward. Um, yeah, you and, might it's and it's in the tech class, even in payments class. It's in both mm. tech and payment areas, isn't it? So there's not a real lot to um, you know, rely on here, apart from the fact that a private equity thinks this is a good price, and, yeah. the, and the company said, no, we don't think we're prepared to sell at this price. But you're, wait, you're, you're playing a waiting game with a company like yeah, this. Yeah, that's, that, that's right. I mean, in, in the previous example of... Um, of Oz Minerals. I mean, we were fortunate enough to pick that up only a couple of weeks before that, that BHP takeover offer. Mm. I mean, pure luck. But in that case, the takeover offer was um, uh, 
sorry, after the takeover offer, the share price was trading above what the offer price was. So yeah. I just figured, well, we can try to wait around for another dollar mm. or it falls through and we lose $6. So mm. we took, took that. Whereas mm. if this is still trading thereabouts or a bit under mm. the, the current offer price, then mm. it, it makes it maybe more likely you, you hold on and, yeah. and, and hopefully it, uh, it starts to creep up yeah. to the offer or they, they give you a higher one. Yeah. Particularly if you bought in a much higher price. It's a, it's, a, it's a dilemma whether you take the price now or hang on. Mm. And, and, I, and I suspect with a company like this, hanging on might be the strategy, but yeah. Yeah, there's also the difference between you getting an offer for a business that has already run a, the wave of, of excitement and exuberance. Mm. So say the, you know, the example of Afterpay, it's already come a long way, then you get an offer more likely to accept when this is probably a little bit more opportunistic where this business potentially is at the bottom of, near the bottom of the cycle. Yeah. And if you wait another 12, 24 months, um, you'd wish you hadn't sold it. Yeah, it, it seems to me also, I've always said this, I've said it on the program sometimes, that it's got to be a, 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 an alternative um, takeover for another financial institution that's not mm. really in this space. So it's got a fairly big chunk of the market uh, yeah. when it comes to, um, I know every time I go to a pub or a cafe, I seem to see Tyro um, machines there. Yeah. Let's go to the final one, CSL. Um, um, I'm intrigued to see how it's, um, been affected by the seller? Yeah, I thought I'd, um, I'd show this chart. I mean, at the moment, I, you know, I wouldn't be buying anything necessarily today. I want to see evidence that the market's finding some support. But actually, this comes back to the point you raised um, at the start, Peter, of stocks that doing well against the broader market. Yeah. So as we know, the market bottomed in June, CSL bottomed in February. Mm. So I think in some ways, you know, CSL's fallen off the radar for some people. I know that's, you know, up until a few years ago, you could never say that. Mm. Um, but ever since COVID, it, it really has underperformed and there's been a few other, you know, more shiny things out there for, for investors' attention because mm. um, CSL's just really gone nowhere. But I think it's worth looking at again because of that outperformance compared to the broader market. So clearly there's some proper buying support for CSL when the broader market's going mm. down. And most recently, Okay, couldn't get through $300, but prior to that, this two, $280 region was a major level for it, mm. that it broke through, and it's bounced off it on a prior occasion, and most recently, it, it did fall under it on Friday, but then today, when it opened, it opened lower for the day, and it's just been, just been going up all day. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of good buying support <clears throat> back above 280. So this is a really good sign. I think if CSL can hold on to 280 in the next few days, you'd have to, mm. you'd have to consider that an opportunity. Yeah. And Michael, what we're talking about, and it's the reason why I started with Wes Farmers and finished with CSL. These are quality companies yeah. uh, under pressure from a, a pretty uh, negative market, but there are always smarties who buy quality companies when the market's just dumping everything. That's right. And if we if we look, if, if we try to have a think about what will happen over the next 12 months in terms of, okay, at some point the market will bottom, at some point it will recover, um, what stocks will, will move first and what stocks will move later. Mm. As we've seen over time, when you get these big sell-offs, the first movers are usually the larger ones, the big liquid ones, the mm. quality, okay. because you've got investors out there that have just been taken to the cleaners and if they're tiptoeing back into the market, they're not going to buy all the, 
or the little speculative stocks, they're yeah. a little bit shell-shocked. So they go for the West Farmers, they go for the CSLs, and what you see are the, the large cap ones tend to move, and then as they've made some money and... Uh, confidence you know, there's, grows. There's, yeah, there's not much more upside left in those, and you move to the mid-caps, then the small caps, and so on. So that's, that's already starting to show itself in those, those quality names. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Thank you, Peter. That's Mike Gable from Fema Equities. Well, joining us now is Marcus Bogdan of the Switzer Dividend Growth Fund. And I'm keen to see how he's looking at the current market sell-off. Is he seeing it as a buying opportunity or is he worried? Marcus, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Peter. Let's make the first question simple. Is it a buying opportunity or are you worried? I think the undertow of higher interest rates is certainly weighing on the market. And I think that that's going to take a little bit of time to digest. You know, seasonally, we're in a, a weaker period of, of the market, um, September, October. So my estimation is that uh, we'll probably go lower before things stabilise. Uh, and so to your question, uh, we're not yet uh, buying, but we have a, a good list of companies that we're very interested in. We're getting closer. I mean, the market is down 9% for the month. Uh, and uh, but it's not yet at that capitulation point or that really deep oversold position yet. What's going to turn the market around, Marcus? So what's, going, what what's going to turn the market sentiment around? Is it I think when we get closer to the peaking of interest rates, um, I think that is absolutely fundamental. Uh, and that will be driven by, the, by seeing evidence uh, of contracting inflation or, or that rate of inflation growth uh, nowhere near as intense as it has been. So for either interest rates and inflation, we're still not there yet. The other element which is critically important uh, is that earnings uh, hold, hold up reasonably well. And I think so far in Australia, the reporting season, and the demand that we're seeing still in the economy, I think that is one of the positive sides that we're seeing at this point point of time. Okay. Let's go to the companies that you've got on your shopping list, but you haven't actually started buying yet. Just, why don't you run us through a few? So I think there's either on the energy, energy side, um, the wood side or, or Santos uh, have recently been sold off. And we do think the fundamentals for energy still remain uh, incredibly sound, given the fact that uh, there, there will be underlying demand there, but the pressure there on supply is significant. And we don't think that that is going to go away in the short to medium term. The other areas that we're looking at are the cyclical areas, those areas that are really deeply affected by higher interest rates and, and, and slowing housing market. But at some point, that'll be all reflected in the prices. So companies like James Hardy, uh, Blue, Scope, Blue Scope Steel uh, would be candidates there. But uh, not there yet. We still need to see a little bit more bad news and a little bit more compression on the valuations before we have a sufficient margin of safety there. Yeah. Um, what, what's your best guess on 
the likelihood of Australia going into recession. We know the UK is probably already in recession. Uh, US is threatened with it, but we still don't know if it will be. But Australia um, has had a pretty um, positive view from most economists until recently. What's your take? Will we avoid a recession? So I think Australia has got the great advantage that a lot of those Northern Hemisphere uh, countries have not uh, in terms of our level of en energy capacity. Um, and that is certainly uh, very helpful in terms of supporting the underlying dynamics of the e economy. What we're seeing now is that demand we've still, uh, is still strong. We've got full employment. Um, and at this stage, uh, I think that suggests that moving into recession is, is less likely, but it's still a possibility if we continue to see those interest rate rises. So what we're seeing now, um, no, we're not going to go into a recession, certainly not this, this year. Um, and I think we're in a much better position compared to the Northern Hemisphere, particularly Europe and, and in the UK. Okay, we know retailers are <clears throat> out of favour now. Um, the, the suggestion is that with all the money we've got, <clears throat> we're going to start buying a lot more services uh, rather than products. But is there a retailer that you think looks like good value, given the fact that the market is pretty negative on retail? Yeah, despite the, that shift to, to services, um, the underlying um, demand for retail is still uh, quite quite strong. Uh, and so, if we had a retailer or a discretionary retailer on our on our watch list, uh, it would be Premier. Uh, they're in they're reporting this this Thursday. Um, we think it's a very well uh, diversified re retailer with a very strong strong balance sheet. Uh, in many of the more defensive areas uh, in, in, in retail. Uh, and then we also like, um, you know, Woolworths uh, and we're seeing a better recovery in the discount department stores, primarily uh, through West Farmers and through Big W and Woolworths. Mm. What, what do you think of West Farmers? Is it underpriced at this point in time? It's, I mean, it's certainly come back from its highs. It reached $60 a share. There is concern there with the slow, slowing, particularly in housing, because West Farmers is very much a budding story. Um, it's two thirds of, of their revenue base. But historically, Bunnings has been a very robust business. It was incredibly robust in the global financial crisis. Uh, but the multiple on, on, on West Farmers is still in, in the 20s. Uh, and, um, and so it's fair value, but certainly not outstanding value yet. But any sort of more significant pull down on West Farmers, and again, that would be uh, in the category of the stock that we would look to add to. Okay. I, I know you're not a monetary policy expert, but even the monetary policy experts don't seem to be very good at monetary policy. Um, what, what do you suspect is going to happen to interest rates here in Australia? Which, when you're factoring in your potential investments, what, what, what do you think Dr Phil Lowe is going to do with interest rates in coming months? Well, I think his hands are very much tied to the direction of what uh, the Fed is, is doing. Uh, and we've seen a significant rise, 75 basis point rises in the US. 
uh, and the re recent commentary that we've got from the Federal Reserve suggesting that that is not going to slow down any further. Uh, and I think Australia has to follow and the rest of the central banks are having to follow suit because this is a universal problem in terms of high inflation. We've already had 200 basis points of rises in, in, in Australia um, and net, net we're still at a, at a reasonably low level if we compare to longer term history. So I think the direction of travel is still, is still higher um, for, Australia, for Australian interest rates. But there will become a point where then that will start to crimp uh, and, crim and compress demand. But we're not there, we're not there yet. So, you know, with sort of 235 in terms of the RBA cash rate today, um, you know, I think we can get to probably 3% before we'd see, um, you know, a, a sort of a sufficient pause uh, in consideration of, of what's going on on the ground. Okay. And I suppose uh, the curveball positive event out there would be October 13 when we get the, new, the next US CPI. If that comes in a lot better than expected, would you expect that then would turn around sentiment for the stock market? Not completely, because I think the Federal Reserve has underlined the fact that they need to see more than one number. And if they look at the history of what happened um, in, in, uh, uh, in the, the, the late um, 70s, uh, they'll be very reticent to take their foot off, uh, uh, off the brake too, too soon. Uh, it could help in the short term, but I think they need to see uh, consistency there of, uh, of inflation come, coming lower, and particularly in those areas that re remain um, elevated, labour and rents. All right, mate, thanks for joining us. Terrific. Thanks, Peter. Cheers. That's Marcus Bogdan of the Switzer Dividend Growth Fund and Blackmore Capital. And that's the show for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, we're back on Thursday. And if you want to know more about the stocks we either like or don't like, and we want some more detailed analysis, go to switzerreport.com.au. Thanks for joining me. See you on Thursday.